Hey friends, this episode of Clinic Gym Radio is brought to you by clinicgymconnect.com. Clinic Gym Connect is a wonderful, amazing communication software we've developed to help you grow your practice, add a gym, add other services, and make sure that your patients and clients are clear on what you do and the amazing service you provide. You can learn more at clinicgymconnect.com, but let me tell you this. As we move forward, as you want to grow, growth must include communication, and communication must be done effectively. If you're emailing your clients, you're not doing it effectively. Heck, only one out of every 10 emails is even open, let alone read. If you want to get a hold of your clients, the best way to do that is the way that they communicate in every other instance, and that is text messaging. So check out our text messaging solutions. You can do two-way text with your office. You can use text messaging to capture new leads at events or in videos. And you can use text messaging to follow up, send appointment reminders, and even ask people for reviews. It works so much better. It's so much more effective and people love it. So check out clinicgymconnect.com. Hey, welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I have spent the last 12 years trying to find the perfect model of musculoskeletal healthcare. And I think I found it. I think it's combining chiropractic care with excellent rehab skills and then transitioning those patients into an exercise program at a gym where there's great communication between you and the people running the gym. We call that the clinic gym hybrid model. And over the last two years, we've really been trying to perfect it with the goal of having 100 clinic gym hybrid facilities opening up here in the US. I'm Dr. Josh Satterley, and welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I am your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I am joined by the king uh, and and head doctor of North Dakota, Dr. Kirk Mason. (laughs) How are you, Kirk? I'm great, Josh. How are you? I might have embellished there a little bit. There are actually two doctors in North Dakota, <laughs> Kirk and his partner, but I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. How is life up in North Dakota? It's good. It's actually been hot and humid up here. So it's yeah. uh, it's been good though. Yeah, real good. Have you been out trail running and, and kind of hitting the outdoors? A little bit, yeah. I've been doing a uh, little less running this year, I'd say, okay. but getting back to shooting the bow, all that fun stuff yeah. up here. So, And you recently uh, bought some acreage where you could shoot the bow on your own property, right? Heck yeah. Awesome. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah. And my thought is that that is a indirect relation to the fact that you kind of changed your business model a few years ago, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I want to dive into that. Some folks, if this is the first time you're listening to this podcast or you've never heard Kirk on, I've had him a few times and Kirk is really one of the greatest clients we've ever had because I think you took the information that we sold in our in our accelerator course and just gobbled it all up, implemented every bit of it, and then refined it and went through multiple iterations to really improve what you're offering to your patients. Yeah. Have that kind of right? Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic, man. Well, what I'd love with this one, Kirk, is that we can maybe talk about... Um, maybe your, your two biggest successes at this point. So give everybody a little snapshot of how long you've had the gym, how long you've had the clinic, and maybe talk about a couple super successes you're having so far. Yeah, so uh, it would have been twenty end of 2018 is when we opened the gym. The clinic's been open since 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, yeah, I discussed this before on the podcast, but yeah, we started uh, with it in the same location. Um, and then kind of the gym outgrew the small space that we had. So then we have two separate locations now. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we're coming up on, yeah, almost three years in the gym, which is crazy. 
doesn't seem like that long. And just for people's kind of knowledge, describe a little bit of the physical setup of the clinic, like how many offices, how many doctors and all that. And then the physical setup of the gym so they can kind of get a perspective of what you're talking about. Yes, we have about, I think, 1,800 square feet in the clinic. When we started the gym piece, uh, it was about 700 square feet, six, 700, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. And it's kind of mm-hmm. a funky layout. So at that point, we had, we started four people in a class and then we moved to six. Um, and then we had said, if we get 40 members, that's probably uh, time to, you know, think about expanding. So our goal was to expand in the same location that we had, uh, but we didn't get that opportunity. So then we did decide to go for a different location, um, which has brought about a whole bunch of learning curves and things like that of uh, not being in the actual physical location. Um, And then the gym we're at now, uh, which we moved into in 2019, the summer of 2019, that's about 2,300 square feet. Okay. So you have an 1,800 square foot clinic. You, I remember you carved out and when Kirk's saying it was a funky design, it was the funkiest design I've ever seen in my career of a gym. (laughs) But again, you're such an implementer, dude. You're just like, I'm going to make this thing work come hell or high water. Right. So you guys made it work in a funky space and you got to the, you capped your membership at what was it like 40 and you guys hit that in six months, eight months. Yeah. It was about six months, I think. Yeah. And then we, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I just appreciate the fact you rolled with the punches because for a while there, it, it appeared like you were going to be able to rent the space next to you and just expand out there, right? Right, and exactly. It didn't work out, so, but Kirk cannot be stopped. <laughs> he cannot be stopped. <laughs> so he said, all right, well, if it can't be there, it has to be somewhere and let's yeah. go down the street. And, uh, and it's only, what, a, two miles away or something? It's not far. Yeah, it's like a five, six minute drive. Yeah. But I'm, I'm guessing with what you just said that it certainly did teach you about do I do I have systems in place or do I just believe that I have systems in place? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And we're still, I mean, that's still being refined even now. Like oh, the systems yeah. pieces. Yeah. I don't think it'll it's, ever. Uh, no, it's just a constant. Yeah. I mean, constantly I, trying to make things better. I, I listened to the uh, business made simple podcast with Don Miller and he talks about flying an airplane and I think that's a good analogy for business because you're never going to stop touching the rudder and the throttle. Like it just, it just never stops. Now it might get a whole lot right. simpler and you're kind of cruising, but yes. you're still paying attention. You're still looking at your gauges. You're still doing all that stuff. Yes. And it's, you know, maybe the co-pilot flies for a while. You go to the bathroom, you come back, you're going to double check the gauges. You're going to double check <laughs> the rudder. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I know you know how to fly this thing. Well, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm going to take a look. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause you have to be, yeah, to be very trusting that when you're not there, obviously that things are going to run like you want them to. So you have to have good systems and then good employees to run those systems too. Yeah. Yep. So, well, um, let's, before we go into the kind of the learning things, uh, let's go into some successes. I mean, like you're here, you're a three-year gym owner, you're a what, five-year clinic owner. Um, yep. when you sit back and kind of, you know, have a cold beer at the end of a week and think about what you're grateful for, what do you think the two or three biggest successes from the, the addition of a gym have been? I would say like the thing that I always like, um, cause I really like being in clinic. I like treating patients. So mm-hmm. I know like some people don't love that, but I actually really like that piece. So for me, it's almost like, like if people move to a new town and they go and they try to make all these connections at different gyms and stuff, well, it's like, I have that, but, 
it's my gym instead of it being someone else's gym. So I know exactly what workout's going on. I know what the trainer's doing. I, I like to have uh, that little bit of control over that stuff, I guess. Because um, you can have a good relationship and you can tell trainer stuff, but I think everyone out there has had the experience of maybe it not going as you had recommended. That's what started mine too. I mean, it was just yeah. like, I was sick of sending people out to trainers. I, I knew, I trusted them. I'd done workshops with them. I loved, I thought they were great people. They had a great business model, but I still had people go to them for six weeks, come back to me to work on the same injury. We just discharged them for six weeks ago. And right. I called the ping pong patient. I hated that because the person just gets fatigued and they're going to give up something. They're either going to give up coming to see me or they're going to give up the gym neither one of which is better for them, you know? So right. we're, we're both kind of contributing for that. So I felt that as well. And that's when I was like, Hey, we're going to bring it in house and we're going to train people exactly how to work. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. I love, uh, we do like we do group and then we also do some one-on-one. So then we can, mm-hmm. you know, tailor a plan to whatever, whatever kind of the, the patient would benefit most from kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and the, the other thing that people should know, I think about your setup is, your head coach or head trainer or whoever was running the gym, at least to start, I don't know how your setup is now, but she basically had started out as your rehab assistant, right? Like you trained her in every uh, DNS. Yes, I trained, uh, she didn't actually, we had Sydney still coaches for us and she's our rehab CA too still. Um, and then Carolyn was our other girl who, came from a photography background. So I just trained her up basically to know everything that I, I wanted her to know basically. Yeah. But I think that people, if, if you're thinking about starting this and you get to a point where you have a 2,500 square foot gym, you know, it sometimes can seem intimidated, but just start teaching them the rehab. And yeah, what exactly. I think that people realize in this model, and I don't, I don't know if you notice this too, Kirk, but people will, your customers, clients, whatever you want to call them in the gym, will be blown away with the expertise when your people know how to make, how to regress exercise, how to make things easier for them. Yes. I don't think that the same is true of making workouts really hard. Like it's nice to have a trainer that'll push you and oh, that, that killer, that thing was hard. But as soon as somebody has some pain or they're like, Hey, I kind of, I want to take it easy today. If you're, if your people can step in and make it easier. Yeah. That's impressive. And when people, when your trainers start out in your rehab facility, that they're doing low level exercise, like the, yeah, you know, the lowest level. But I think we kind of like forget how impressive that is. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. I think um, so. We have a new chiropractor that came in too, and he has been teaching like a couple classes a week, and I think that's valuable for like all chiropractors. If you like, I know you've recommended that during school. If you can become a personal trainer, I think that's like crazy valuable because. What I learned starting out and what he has been learning is that a fitness class with nine people in it is a whole lot different than like a one-on-one training. And if you're there, you know, you don't want to, there's a delicate balance with like fitness that you don't want to over cue either. And I think that's like us as clinicians, we're in there, we're like making it absolutely perfect. But in, yeah, on the fitness side, it's like, it's not going to be a hundred percent perfect. There's a there's a very, there's a variability there that you kind of have to be comfortable with. Um, so that's been, yeah, super good for him. But yeah, like Sydney, she, she's our rehab CA and she 
like blends those lines super good. She's, uh, she's really great at it. So fantastic. But yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah. So, uh, that was one kind of positive note. What's, uh, you know, knowing that you have the, I don't want to say control, but it's knowing you, <laughs> you know, that the product yeah. is what you want, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And it's being delivered the way you want it. Uh, what about, what's another one? Um, as far as successes? You know, I think, um, I've had a few people reach out to me, um, usually after I do these podcasts, actually just like asking questions about how yeah, much I just time. want my 10%. That's all, you know, I remember <laughs> that agreement, right? No. <laughs> like I, they always ask like how much time I'm putting into the gym yeah. and the, the more we've got into this, the less time I have to put in, which is like, mm-hmm. you have a, a business that runs itself essentially. And I put in maybe like you know, a couple hours a week into the gym, unless it's something big happening, then I'll do mm-hmm. a little more, but I don't teach classes there. I'll fill in every now and then, but I don't, I'm not like on the schedule for teaching. Um, and I essentially, I check my stats like once a week and then I have ones that I check once a month. But other than that, I really don't put in a whole lot of time into it. So that's one thing that, um, you know, for all like the chiropractors out there, we always trade time for an income. Um, whereas in this model, you, you can start to build something where you don't have to do that. So I think I always thought that was super cool about this model. Yeah. And, um, along those lines, um, from the business model, like to, to build that up, how, what percent of your members at your gym are, were first patients? At the start, it was a lot more. It was basically um, 100%, right? Everybody in the challenges yeah. and stuff was straight out of the clinic. Pretty close, yeah. I'd what say do you think like it is 90% now? to start. I would say that start as patients, I would say uh, like 30% maybe. Okay. In your first six months of the new location, do you think it was higher yeah. than that? Uh, probably a little bit higher, yeah. yeah. I would say the first like year... And bleeding into the second year was a lot of, um, from the clinic, but it's kind of like, it's just became its own business essentially. Yeah. It takes Um, a while to kind of start spinning on its own, but once it does, you get the internal gym referrals and all that stuff. Exactly. So now it's like back and forth. Like if I have a patient that I want to send for a few workouts, I'll do that. But then also, you know, if someone's been there in pain, has an injury, they'll come see us. So it's still like, the blended model. It's just the gym now has, uh, I would say like a reputation, um, where we live, where it's like, it's up there with like a, a CrossFit and Minot or like, uh, you know, solid core, like all those ones that have their own name. Mm-hmm. Um, we got, we started to build that a little bit more, which has been cool. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thanks buddy. Yeah. Um, so so there are some successes and I know you don't strike me as somebody that's really financially motivated. Like you're doing it cause you, you love it. Right. Right. Yes. But now at it's at this point, three years into the gym, does it also help you bring home a little bit more? Like you're saying, you don't have to pay attention to it. It's easy, but is it starting to be like enough money where you're like, wow, this is, uh, maybe not matching what you make from the clinic, but it's, it's a decent amount of money and I can afford a newer truck or a, you know, new house <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. It's starting to get better for sure. Um, you know, with like the gym business compared to, I would say the Cairo side, like our margins are just smaller. Like we really have to watch our overhead. We really have to know our numbers really, really tight, um, Mm -hmm. in the gym side. Whereas 
you know, you have to know that in the Cairo side. Um, it, I guess it depends where you practice too. North yeah. Dakota is a really good place to practice. So, um, and there, I, there the kind of, there's isn't. some differences in the fact like a, a fitness business is much more volatile based yes. on just the time of year. Let's just say that. Absolutely. I mean, there's other factors, but that one, especially. Yes. Whereas, and one thing you have in a clinic that you, I don't see this in a gym is like, let's say you go in on Monday and there's, you know, 30 people on your schedule for the day. And it being Monday, you get five cancellations. Yeah. Most of the time when you're at your point five years into practice, there's people actively calling in to say, can I get in today as well? So most yes. of those thoughts will fill back up. Not all of them, but all in fitness, if you lose somebody, it's not like, Hey, can I join your gym real quick today? <laughs> I'm dying for a workout, you know? <laughs> yes. Totally you different to, that way. You yeah. have to be going out, outreaching more to get the people in. Yes. Like, yeah, that's a perfect way to put it. Like my, um, brother-in-law was asking me, uh, I think like a year ago, he's like, what are the differences? I'm like, like when you grow your Cairo business, it's kind of like after three to five years, like we don't have to do much marketing. Um, we do a little bit on the Cairo side, but like people just come back in. It's kind of a, a model where you don't have to do a ton after a certain amount of time. You have to do it at the start, but not after a while. The gym business, I would say you have to constantly have like a marketing schedule. You have to constantly work on your systems of uh, not only like bringing people in, but retaining them for a period of time, which is, I find that fun though. Like I find, yeah, like it's a little more of a, I would say a true like business owner, entrepreneur type venture. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because you can get lazy in your clinic. Like once that wheel starts turning and it's just like, no matter what you do, you've got whatever. You know, I was talking to Dan Leonard one time. He's like, yeah, if I don't do anything, I have a hundred, you know, 120 patient visits a week. If I really push the limits, I have 123 visits a week. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> right. it's just a horrible teacher. But then when, you know, I think it's almost, I think one of your huge advantages, strangely, was the fact that you had to move that business two miles down the street. Yeah. It has to live on its own, right? You can't, right. sometimes people cloud the numbers with, you know, you, oh, the gym did this. And you're like, well, if the if it wasn't right next to the clinic, I don't know if that would actually be happening. Absolutely. And we actually um, had a little, we had someone who was working out with us who was actually an old patient. And she had approached us about, you know, buying into the business. Um, so I didn't sell any of my shares, but uh, Becky had sold some of hers. So we have another owner now too with Premier Movement. Um, so it, we had to like really clean up our numbers and like, make sure it's a completely separate business. Cause that she's not a chiropractor. So, um, that was a whole, uh, whole new learning process too, which was super cool. Yeah. Nice. Well, let's, uh, let's go into some learning processes. I mean, this is a good segue. So, uh, yeah. you know, it, like any business, it can be tough, but what, what do you think your biggest three lessons are sitting here at the three year mark? Um, yeah, in terms of like stuff I would have done different. I would say like when we moved into our new space, um I don't like our layout. The one thing I really don't like and that you don't see in like uh studio gyms that like Orange Theory or something like that is the I would personally make the front desk uh separated from the gym, so it would be like it, you wouldn't have the music playing because after a class ends and stuff like that, if you have someone at the front desk trying to sign someone up for a membership or things like that, it's annoying when the other class is starting, you have the music blaring and then you're trying to like get someone signed up. So I would 
separate those if it were me. Um, cause that just kind of grinds my gears. Um, and then what else we went through a bunch of iterations, like with our workouts and things like that. Um, like the systems piece is really big because it, I would say we've slowly gotten better at that over the years too. Um, with like the challenges and things like that. But I would say at the start, yeah, it was pretty sloppy. It was, uh, you're just kind of piecing it together. Mm -hmm. Do you mean Um, sloppy as in like there were good, you had good training, just not organized or not flowing or do you? Yeah, exactly. Okay. I would, yeah. Even like the, like the outreach methods, like, um, in terms of retention and things like that Mm -hmm. and COVID made it tough for a lot of that too. But, yeah, our retention, like, cause we were doing good, uh, moved into the new space. And then shortly after we moved into the new space, um, you know, like eight months later, COVID hit. So we were kind of building at that point and then dropped quite a bit, but that also, um, we just got to refine a lot of stuff in terms mm-hmm. of like our systems and things like that. Um, the actual workouts, I mean, we have like kind of a structure how we do it, but then mm-hmm. it's also keeping it fun and exciting for everyone. Cause yeah, the number one thing you learn is that like, if people are actually going to stick around, it just can't be boring. That's like yeah. the number it's one funny. thing. I was talking to somebody about that yesterday and how as humans, we have this, um, like you, you've gone through a season of like a lot of like, um, for a while you're doing a lot of, uh, OCRs, obstacle course racing and Spartans and, and all those. Right. You did well. And then I think there's been seasons for you, like where weightlifting is the thing or kettlebell training. Right. And yeah, so it's absolutely. like, yeah. And I was saying that we have this weird thing as humans, like I have a friend, he described it well. He said in the summer or in the winter, we go to our family cabin every winter and it's the same, right? We go there. It's nostalgic. It's, it's reassuring. It's the tradition. But in the summer right. we go somewhere new every year. And it's like, you need both those things. Like your members yes. want to feel like they know how you do things. So like, for example, at our place, it was like you walk in, grab a foam roller and start foam rolling. And that was Absolutely. like people congregated. So I would never want to take that piece away, but then I would right. change the warm up that happens right after the, the foam rolling. Right. You know, because when you see that ingrained behavior of this is just what we do here, I'm like, I want to allow for some of that while also saying, Hey, today we're deadlifting and therefore we're really going to warm up and do some band exercises for your glutes and, you know, erectors and some breathing work. Whereas yes. if we're doing something else, like, you know, if we're doing overhead presses, right? Like that was a big part right. of change the warm up. So like balancing those two things, it's fun, but you do need to like pay attention to that. Cause I think you're right. If it, if it's exactly the same, people are like, Wah. yeah, they check out. And I think that's one of the things that people love so much about something like CrossFit too, is that like, yeah. it's always different. And then they walk in and they have that camaraderie of man, yeah. that was a hard workout. It was, it's different each time. They don't yeah. know what to expect. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of, and that also gives everybody an opportunity, like Kirk, if you're a runner and and if if there's running in the workout, you're going to whip my butt. But you know, if it comes to like (laughs) something else, like, Oh, you got to do, um, you got to do deadlifts or something. And I can beat you at that. That, that helps with retention. You want to provide some source of everybody to have some success, right? Or if they're in last place in the run, can they just not be in last place on something else? Like, oh, wow, Jimmy actually is in only third place in the overhead press or something like that. Exactly, yeah. And it's like, yeah, finding something for them all to excel at. Yeah. It's, yeah. 
Yeah, I totally so, agree. Especially like in the challenge environment, you because if anybody's listening that's run challenges, you become aware real quick. There are some people that I don't know how to say it nicely. They're just getting their ass kicked by everything you're asking them to do. <laughs> right. And on some regard, I go, man, I feel for this person. This is, there's no way this is fun for them. Right. Right. This is like, maybe it's a, fir- I've had people, I don't know if you had anybody in your challenges, they're like 50 and it's literally the first time they've ever been in a gym in their life. Right. And you're like, I want to honor that. I want you to succeed. I want to do it. But I can't, you know, it's like with your kids, like I can't make it easy. I want you to yep. learn how to ride a bike and I'll support you any way I can. But listen, you're going to fall down. You're going to skin your knee. You're going to cry and I'm going to help you back on that bike and I'm going to push it again, but you're going to start pedaling, you know? Right. It's, it's fun, but man, it's a challenge. It is such it's a challenge definitely. to balance all those things. Cause then you get those challengers too that sign up because you're like, let's admit it. You're here cause you want to whoop everybody's butt. Like that's what right. you do. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. We um, have like such a broad range in our classes too. Like there's times a day where you'll get a little older crowd and get, you know, younger tends to be our 5am, 6am. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's, I mean, there's 75 year olds and then there's 23 year olds all working out in the same class, which is yeah. super fun and super cool. Yeah. Yep. So it's, uh, it is, it is rewarding too. I think that's one thing, uh, one thing that you know, for those listening, thinking about this, the one thing I'll say is when you start getting a gym, either as part of your business or physically in the same business, the energy that it transfers into your clinic is huge. Way more high fives, way more hugs and sweaty smiles and all that stuff. And the worst days of when you just have a clinic of like, where you see three people in line who all have like acute, horrible, horrendous pain. If you just all of a sudden hear from the gym side, woo! You know, people ask, right. get it, Kirk. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden it's like, absolutely. Oh, okay. I can go another two hours of clinic work, you know? Yes. And I like, I would probably throw that. I don't think it was a mistake to go to a different location, mm-hmm. but I'll say when our leases from both places are up in two years, we're going to be hoping to buy a place with them together again. So it, yeah. yeah, if I don't know if you have the option, I would keep it together just because it's, it makes it a whole lot easier. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it was a mistake because we did get a chance to experience what that was like. Like one of our goals for the future is to open a gym in like a different town in North Dakota, Mm -hmm. say like Bismarck or Grand Forks or Fargo. Um, so that would be, you know, it was a big learning experience for us in that, like, we're never there other than, you know, I go over to work out, but other than that, I'm not there. I'm at the clinic all the time. So just you know, running a business like that, it was very eye opening and it's been good. Um, but yeah, I would say if, if you only, if you have the chance, keep it in the same place. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, other mistakes and anything else you would change in the way you did things or the money you spent? Did you spend any money um, in an area that you're like, this was dumb? <laughs> this was totally yeah. I bought, dumb. I bought way too many machines. That was so stupid. I bought, we were only having classes of nine. And then I bought six uh, assault treads. I bought six ski ergs and six uh, rogue echo bikes. And really, the way we structure it, the most we would ever use is four. So I have no idea why I thought six yeah. was necessary. <laughs> so well, luckily, yeah, that was like... 
those three pieces of equipment are also the most expensive things in your gym, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, they it's are. not like six extra sets of dumbbells or something. You could have floated that. They're like 800 yes. to 12, 1500 a piece. And or the treads are like five grand each, three. right? Yeah. I think they're like 3,200 a piece. Yeah. That's awesome. That feels really good. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Becky and I got to bring those home for our home gyms now. Yeah, so. You got one at home. She's got one at home. Yep. <laughs> Parents have one. <laughs> There's plenty to go around <laughs> yeah. at Christmas, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So that was stupid. Um, that was like the only equipment thing we really messed up let, on. Let me ask you this because I think there's a learning opportunity here. When we talked about flow of the workouts, I yeah. think one thing that it doesn't is not apparent when you open is how much the floor plan sometimes has to change or the flow of things like we, you know, we originally thought we'd end here, but that like we, we at one point were finishing by the front desk to make it easier for everybody. Cause we had cubbies that created such a traffic jam of people coming in and going out. It was like, and we had just had this little doorway and it's like salmon fighting upstream, you know? <laughs> right. And so we kind of changed where the start point was and the finish point was, and it just totally improved the flow of workouts as well. Have you yeah. guys gone through that iteration yet? Yep. We, uh, like at the start, we would do sets and reps. So we would, we had three sets of eight or whatever. Uh-huh. One big thing that helped us a lot because we had people that were like, uh, had never worked out before. And then we had people that were pretty high level endurance athletes or whatever in the same class. So yeah. they were like the, like the higher end athletes were frustrated because it was moving too slow the lower end people felt like they were rushed. So now we just do a time thing. We say we put reps on it, but we don't put sets. We just do a time. Um, and that helped. Oh my gosh. It helped our flow so much. Cause it, it just keeps everyone. I kind of stole that from orange theory. Um, so, so let me just make sure I understand. So like if we're doing uh, goblet squats, you're going to, do you put people in groups? Like, yeah, we do. And then we superset it. Okay. So like goblet squats and you're just going to say perform eight at a time and you're going to perform this for, let's just say 11 minutes or some time. And what that means is Kirk is in super good shape. He's been running. He can bust out five sets of that in 11 minutes. And I'm kind of a new challenger and I'm struggling and I'm not in that great shape. Maybe I get two or three sets, but it does fill up basically the 11 minutes with my recovery. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And that was like that. I, all our trainers really appreciated that too. Cause they were kind of stressed with like trying to get everyone to switch and everything like yeah. that. Now it's just on the timer. Beep, you're done. We're switching. And we're so, moving on to something else at the end of it. Yep. No matter how much you got done. Yeah. Time. I mean, that clock is like one of the things you got to respect so much. And yes, a 63 minute class is a complete failure yeah. You know, though, like you have seven minutes there that are like absolute chaos. Like it's crazy how just going over a little bit is like total yeah. explosions and <laughs> people hate it. Yeah. You know? And so. then the, I guess another thing with our flow was we get people to foam roll before class if they want. And then we do our warm up. And then what one thing we did at the start, we just let them warm up and then we would do the demos. But now we do warm up as they're warming up, our coaches are going through the demos. So that saved mm-hmm. us a little time too. Um, cause we right now we finish around like 56, 57 minutes every time. Yeah. Perfect. Before we were, you know, borderline going over on some of those classes, which I hated. Um, so yeah, cause we yeah. run it, we'll, we'll run five, six, seven. So you gotta, you gotta have 
your time's yeah. down. Yeah, it's uh, that that pressure, especially on your busy nights. So like Mondays, I don't know. Yeah, Monday the big the biggest day in your gym. It's up there. Yeah, I would say yeah. probably. Yeah, or Tom Wednesday. Plumber said that sixty uh, percent. No, wait, I'm sorry. 40, 42% of all the people coming to your gym will come in on Monday because it's kind of the reset for the week. Like, all right, this is the week. Absolutely. And then by Thursday, yeah. they're out drinking with their buddies, you know, like <laughs> eating hot wings. Like, oh, I was, I was totally going to go to the gym, but, you know. Yeah, Friday uh, nights are easily our worst time. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's fun. Um, so floor plan can change. Like, this is one reason I, a lot of people ask me about turf, and, and here's my opinion. My current thinking is do not install turf on day one. Install yeah. just all roll, rolled rubber, rubber flooring. You can move everything around. Uh, right. Re, re-change, because you're going to go through five or six versions of like, hey, we should put the weights over here, squat racks over here, weight trees here. Yep. So blank rubber canvas is better. And then maybe about a year in, I think you kind of have it figured out. And then you can say, hey, if there's room, here's a perfect place for turf. Right. The worst like is we when, have... Go ahead. Sorry, you can go. Sorry. No, I was just going to say like when you lay turf out and then you realize six months in that it's 90 degrees compared to where you'd want it now, it's the worst. It's absolutely the worst. Oh, I know. Yeah. We like, in terms of like, I've been thinking about the new spot. Mm -hmm. You know, we probably have, you know, a couple hundred at least exercises that we roll through. Like of those exercises, we do sleds like not very often. And then we use sliders. So those are the only things we need turf for. So I don't know, it would make absolutely zero difference to our like clients if we had turf or not. It was more of like, a, I wanted turf yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So if, if someone, and you know, you yeah. can get those, uh, torque makes those wheeled sleds. They look like a sled, but they have wheels. Yeah. Them. I've seen. And, yeah. I mean, they work pretty good. Like, yeah. you know, um, and then the sliders, Here's a crazy thing. Try those sliders on the rubber. Have you tried them yet? Yeah, it's not that bad. It's not. It's shockingly, and I go to the, like the turf and I'm like, that's not that much better. Carpet's huge. Carpet is super slick, but the turf yes. is actually not as slick as you think. Right. And then the other thing is, you know, I don't know. Do you have slide boards in your gym? No, we don't. Yeah. When you're looking for a new cardio piece of, advice, of, of equipment, I think slide boards are one of those like multi-use things because you can get some really good cardio I like the fact that it goes lateral instead of linear, you know, cause sure. running jump rope, sleds, treadmill, erg, rower, it's all, you know, same plane and then changing it up a little bit challenges people. Yeah. And then you can also lay them down when you want to do really slick, like, sl- so you can have an athlete at either end of it doing, you know, so say like sliding lunges That's or something true. Really challenging. So yeah, or like hamstring curls yeah. or something. Like and then, yeah. And then if you want to store them, you can get them pretty close to the wall. Like they're super thin in storage, you know? Yeah. They're really long That's a good point. gangly, but you can get them really kind of tight, uh, tucked in. So anyway, right. Yeah. Instead I have, of spending uh, another, uh, $30,000 on <laughs> equipment, just buy one slide board for 700 bucks and see what you think. Yeah. If when, when I move, when we move into that new location, I just right now, as of today, I would not have turf. Um, mm-hmm. It just, yeah, I just wouldn't have it. Yeah. I mean, it's like chrome rims on your truck. Like it looks right. super cool. Yes. But when you get down to like, does this actually change performance? It, it really doesn't, you know? Not much. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Now, if and, you're a 10,000 square foot facility and you, right. and therefore your turf is long enough to actually run sprints on and do agility drills and like big, like big time stuff, different conversation. But 
1,500 exactly. square feet, 2,000 square feet. It's hard to get it long enough. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And I, I mean, if you're at a college where you're, you know, sleds are like a huge portion of what you do. I love sleds, but at the same time, I could live with my clients not doing sled pushes. Like it's, yeah. it's important, but it's not like a make or break, it's not a live or die exercise. Yeah. 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 Cool. All right. So we got money. We got, uh, uh, I can't remember what your other learning curve was. Oh, the flow of the workouts and going to a time-based. Um, yeah. let me ask you this. One thing that people always ask about is finding the right trainer. Yeah. And I'm sure, yeah, I know you're a moderator in the Facebook group. And, uh, and so you see these questions too about like, Hey, I'm hiring a trainer and it's always funny to me. And I try and be as kind as I can. People are like, what certifications should I look for? Or they're NSCA yeah. certified, but they're not XYZ certified. And my feeling right now is that stuff just does, those certifications do not matter as much as other things. I don't want to say they don't matter. It right. shows a person's dedicated. They've done education. Uh, you know, they're interested in this, but it doesn't matter as much as other factors when you go to hire. So yeah, what learning experiences have you had around hiring people? And it's especially great coming from Kirk, everybody listening, because again, he, ha he doesn't have a choice to watch the gym all the time. Like you physically yep. have to run the clinic. You had to be there for your patients. You got to make money there. So it's pop in at best, right? And yep. sometimes I'm going to guess you go days, maybe even a week between pop-ins just because of the way things happen. Yeah, I've done, I've, I haven't been to the gym. I've done a couple weeks at a time without popping in before. Right, fantastic. Yeah, so um, I would say, yeah, just like you said, like, I don't know, it, it depends on, your confidence in yourself to teach the knowledge that you have to someone else. So if you think you can uh, teach all the things that like a CFSC would teach and get that thought process and all of those little things through to a trainer as to where you're confident with them running a class, then it just doesn't matter what certification they have. It matters. Like you said, it matters. They're important to have. And I've, I've done the CFSC. I've done a bunch of them. But if you're an owner and you're like, you're basing hiring someone off of that, I, I just don't do that at all. I barely even peek at what certification they have. I kind of take a quick glance and then I meet the person. Like I just hired a trainer probably like three, four months ago, literally uh, sat down with her, knew within like two minutes that she was going to be amazing. And like people love her because her personality was, you could pick up on it right away. She was bubbly. She was fired up. I'm like, yeah, when can you start kind of thing? So we started training her and then I like, it's between me and like the other trainers. Well, we have like a process that they have to go through to be certified and then they'll kind of we'll co-teach with our other trainers for a couple weeks and then we'll put them in on their own. Um, but yeah, it's just like I would hire off personality way more than I would hire based off what qualifications someone has. Um, yeah, I just don't think it's some, yeah, like you said, people ask that all the time in the group and it's important a little bit, but it's not nearly as important as some people make it out to be. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's weird being a human being sometimes because you're like, that certification tells me that they're a personal trainer. But it's like, we all went to school with people that were, 
I would never let them near my mom. I would never let them treat my dad. You know, like... Absolutely. Get away. Like, I don't care what letters you have after your name. Yes. And then there are the people that have essentially no letters after their name and they're incredible, you know? Yes. And you can have both. I mean, Brett Winchester, he's amazing at everything he does. I'm sure that guy, when he's throwing the ball to his kid, is amazing. Right. And has 28,000 letters after his name, which is great. But then there's people that have similar letters and I'm like, uh, you just don't have it. You know, you don't. Right. And, and then, well, the thing about, if you even think about like, um, yeah, I went to a bunch of seminars from Brett and stuff when I was younger. If you think about him, he he only has so many hours in the day too. So like he, he has all those things, but he doesn't necessarily like teach classes at his gym and stuff. You have to be able to teach other people how, you know, you have to be able to transfer your knowledge. And if you can't do that, then you're going to have a really hard time. Then maybe if you're not good at doing that, then maybe look at a little more at like the certifications they have or something like that. But if you're able to transfer your knowledge to someone else, then I think it, it just allows you to pick the right person and not necessarily the right certification. Yeah. I love that. So just out of curiosity, looking forward, I mean, you're, you're thinking about maybe opening uh, other gyms in yeah. other towns across North Dakota. So for anybody who doesn't know, the towns in North Dakota are basically two hours, <laughs> three hours apart. Like, Yeah, Fargo's four from us, but everything yeah. else is two, three hours. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm saying that because like if you're in Dallas, Fort Worth, like you can't really tell the difference between where Dallas ends and Fort Worth begins or right. Los Angeles and Glendale. Like they're, they're blended. Totally different. So yeah, these are isolated and, and um, separate and... So when you get to that point and you're looking at how you're going to build up that business, um, how do you think you'll find the right people? I mean, it's nice to know people in the town. Like a lot of our Mm -hmm. hires have been through people we know. So that's Mm -hmm. what does make it tricky in a different town. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think like the more people I've interviewed, the more you can pick up on like people's energy and things like that. Yeah. Like I said, like when our one trainer came in, Rachel, she was like, I knew immediately. I'm like, and then there's some people that have came in and, and interviewed. And I'm like, Ooh, I just, I don't think that would be a good fit. Like you're running a group class. You have to be energized, not just for one hour, but for maybe three hours straight. Like there's, it takes a certain type of person to keep up that energy the whole time. It's just like chiropractic. It's like, if someone's going to keep their energy up, that's why we have breaks in between patients sometimes and where we cluster book is because if we're literally doing that for eight hours straight and you're trying to keep up your energy the whole time, there's some awesome. people that can do it. Yeah. Some people that can't. So yeah, I think you I have, have a hire. buddy who's like one of these high volume guys down in Florida and I, I can't, it's, he sees an insane number of people like 320 a day is like a normal day. Oh He's seen gosh. 450 in a day. That's insane. The guy is like, if you get him near a light bulb, that light bulb will light up. Like the world cannot resist his energy level. He's the only right. person I've ever seen like that. He's the only one. Right. You know? Yeah. But exactly. I, mean, I, I, for me, like I love, I've actually got to split my days up a little better now that I've gotten like further into clinic. So I'll treat in the morning. I'll take like a two, three hour break over lunch. I'll go work out, things like that. And then I'll come back and that's what works best for me. Cause then I have like all the energy I want in the afternoon. Um, so I've found, yeah, I was just like, not one of those guys that could do that for eight hours straight. I was so exhausted at night when I was doing that. So yeah, yeah you just kind of got to find, yeah. but yeah, in terms of like hiring in a different town, still figuring that out. I think that's going to be yeah. like super tricky. Um, how, how big do you think you'd go? 
if you were looking for a spot? Uh, yeah, around 2,500 square feet, maybe 3,000. I don't cool, think yeah. I'd go much bigger than that. Okay. Uh, how about like shape? Would you want a, re- a long rectangle? Would you want a square? What do you... Long rectangle would be ideal for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, that's an experience thing. You kind of realize like... Oh, yeah. I think 2,500 square feet is 2,500 square feet is 20... And it's like, no. No. <laughs> it can totally be screwed up. Totally different. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, well, that's great, man. I'm really excited to hear this, Kirk. Congratulations on all your success, buddy. And um, thank yes, you. It's super exciting to see you get to this point. And like, you know, it's it's never done, but it sounds like you're at a really good spot now. So, uh, when you see Becky next, Keller, congratulations. That's Kirk's business partner, and and was there I when will. it started as the um, I don't even know how to describe that. It looked like the shape from Tetris. That is the, <laughs> your gym originally. It was like the, the one that always That's screws up and you lose your game. That that shape is your gym, you know? <laughs> Just like it screws That's up. That's actually a really true. Tetris game, yeah. So, <laughs> awesome. so perfect. Well, Kirk, if people want to reach out like they often do and kind of chat with you, I know you're always so willing to, to uh, help. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Yeah, I'd say on Facebook is probably the easiest anyone in the Facebook group or anything like that. Just yeah. reach on out. I'm happy to answer any questions. Okay. And for people listening, like I think, you know, if you look at the people that take that have the courage to post their questions up in the group, a lot of times it opens up great discussions. I mean, I learn stuff all the time still like, Oh wow, I've never tried that or thought about yeah. that. I'm like, that's fantastic. So yeah, I yeah. really, I really like that. So yeah, yeah reach like, out to Kirk are, on Facebook and post up in the group because it's always, it's always a, a learning experience for everybody. It's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, in that group, you have some absolute stud gym owners. So yeah. pe- people might not realize like how yeah. successful Brian is or Dan is. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Brian, guys with a ton of knowledge. Brian's average retention, average, is like seven and a half years. Isn't that insane? Like, give that a thought. Like, you're not even halfway to his average. I know. Isn't that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, and for those listening, nuts. like retention in the gym game is, it's the biggest profit margin you have. If you can just Absolutely. retain people and not lose them. Yes. It's, it's insane. So yeah, that it guy makes is, life so much easier when you can worry about retaining rather than bringing in new clients. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yep. And the fact that Brian's done that is, um, yeah, he's definitely a sleeper in there. Like people don't realize such a sleeper, just a stud. Is, he's is such there. a. I. That's yeah. a perfect way to put it. Like people, yeah. If you have any questions and like those guys are weighing in on it, I would listen closely. Yeah, write down what Brian says. Like, yes, <laughs> yeah. So I was I was talking to somebody out here, and they said they're at this big meeting in Las Vegas. So those listening, I'm in Las Vegas. And there are some major players that really have started like the different casinos, like Steve Wynn. I'm sure you've heard of Steve Wynn. Like he's started the Bellagio and Mirage and everything. Then his own uh, hotel. There's a name, a guy named Michael Gahn, who a lot of people don't know about, but a friend of mine was on a board meeting and Michael Gahn was there and he's a very quiet, older guy, probably in his seventies. And my friend said that these guys, there's like everybody that runs a major casino is around this table. So there's like 14, 18 people you know, arguing back and forth and Michael Gunn like raises his hand and leans in and he goes, I think the way we want to think about this and he, and my friend Dale said, as soon as he said that, everybody who knew who he was and knew how successful he was 
is like flipping over placemats to ride on the back is like, he said one guy's like writing on his hand because he's like, give me a pen, give me a damn pen. Like, <laughs> it's just like, if that guy opens that's his mouth. That's amazing. And I think that's kind of Brian in the group, you know, like. Yes. He's, yeah, he's a stud. So anyways. All right. Yeah, well, I know like, I listen to a lot of like the two brand business stuff too. And yeah, I mean, he's a guy to listen to. That's for yeah. sure. And he's been through it, man. I don't know if you heard his backstory, but he worked for... Yeah, a, I heard um, him on your podcast. Yeah, he's he's been through the ringer. So, I mean, it's not right. like he just stumbled into success. Like, he got... Exactly. I mean, he's some scars on his chin from taking some punches, you know, like that kind yeah, of stuff. Absolutely. So, it's great. All right, Kirk. Well, uh, I really appreciate it. And and just for everybody listening, why don't you share the name of your gym and your clinic in case they want to check out Facebook and some pictures and all that stuff. Yep. So Premier Chiropractic is our chiropractic clinic. And then we kept the name super similar with Premier Movement uh, for Jim and in Minot, North Dakota is where we are. There you go. All right. Well, on behalf of the incredible Kirk Mason, this is Josh Satterley saying, go out there, do what Kirk's done, maximize your license so you can live the life you dream of. Thanks a lot, Kirk. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Hey, I want to let you know that this episode was brought to you by clinicgymconnect.com. Clinic Gym Connect is our new, exciting communication software that I think will revolutionize your practice, blow your customers away with amazing customer service, and allow you to grow by offering the solutions that your office offers. So if you want to check out more, just go to clinicgymconnect.com. Again, that's clinicgymconnect.com and check it out there. Thanks.